Welcome to The Untanglement. This is Maurice. What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Brenda. And hey, everyone. This is Ron And this is T-Mama, the producer. We're going to talk a little bit about um, a couple of shows. Uh, one movie uh, called Bad Trip, which is both bad and a trip. We're also going to talk about uh, uh, the Tina Turner documentary. And then we're going to go into our culture uh, portion of the podcast, which we call Block B. The B stands for Brenda is bad, and um, we'll go from there. Nope, That's nope, all. nope. You don't have to unmute for that part. Nope. Bad uh, and uh, so let's get started. Uh, first, bad trip. I don't know why y'all thought this was a good idea to watch this movie. Actually, I'm I'm, I'm joking. I'm actually glad I watched it because it it, it was really funny, like laugh mm-hmm. out loud funny. Mm-hmm. Um, what did y'all think? Hello, funny. Hello, funny. I loved it. Yeah. It's finally time for that road trip. I'm talking. Man, wow, sweet. Shouldn't have taken my sister's car, man. She's crazy. She will kill us. Keep your mouth shut. Snitches get stitches. If the squad ain't with me, then it ain't right. We got four whole days. We can kick back, relax, and breathe in America. We are the only black people in here. You like to make it toast? What are you doing up there? Get down. I love you up here. So I'm the one who actually put this on, on on the on the agenda to talk about because I saw the preview and instantly I knew it was going to be a a, a bang hitter hit banger. I don't know. I don't think either one of those. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Oh, for two. Why don't we just move but on? I knew it was gonna be good. I knew it was gonna be good. Um, I thought that the I thought going into it and I and even watching it, I feel as though the concept was brilliant. The entire idea of just um, having this movie go on at, while people are in, you know, are reacting to this, you know, it's just, it was just a brilliant concept. And so I enjoyed it. Um, I think that I was more, I was more entertained by the concept and by the interplay of the the characters yeah. and the audience than I was the actual um, the actual plot and you know and it's really interesting that I thought that that I actually like this movie because I'm really not a fan of Eric Andre um, Andre's work I've seen um, parts of the his show his uh, sketch comedy show and I couldn't even watch one one episode I couldn't make it through but this I thought was brilliant to kind of merge this this sketch show aspect with the live comedy it was to me it was just it was a, it was a performative um, experience it was we should tell the audience that, so um, in New York Times they call it two pranksters and a brace of hidden cameras travel across the country in this jauntily gross comedy it is it is gross but the yeah. but I think what you're referring to is this I, I have never seen. Um, well, it reminds me a little bit of the Jackass movies, but um, there's this the 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 audience or the extras in a normal movie are part of the film in that they are not in on the fact that a movie is being recorded. Right. So you get these real um, reactions, reactions? Yeah. to outrageous things that are happening happening right peeing in in a bar uh he starts vomiting explosive vomiting uh, at one incident. point the ape is 
I mean, my God. Ejaculating. Okay. All right. Okay. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Spoiler alert. But, you know, but I think, but I agree with Ron in, in that this, you know, the concept keeps you kind of watching because you can't, it's a train wreck. What, what, is, what are they going to do next? Um, and so I, I, you know, I didn't know anything about this movie before, uh, before Ron said we have to watch it. Um, but I'm glad I watched it. I, I, I do agree that um, I could see how Eric Andre in another context just wouldn't be funny. He doesn't to me. He yeah. just, I don't know. He wasn't my favorite character. I love Tiffany Haddish's character and I love Lil Rel. Lil Rel. I'm not a fan of Tiffany, but she really, I was like, oh my God, this girl is hilarious in this film. Um, and Lil Rel, yeah. it's just like, he don't got to say much. He doesn't. <laughs> it's the way he looks. He can walk yeah. down the street. I'm laughing. Did he gain weight for this? Because he, he looks like bit... he gained weight. Yeah. Oh, Shut I felt like he might have lost some. Okay. Oh, no, 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 no. He Me looked, too. It looked yeah. like he lost weight. Really? No, I, I think he got it. heavier. Yeah. yeah. But a little round, like, it's just his his reaction, his face. Like, it's like, oh, my God. He's hilarious. And Tiffany did an awesome job. I was so proud of her. Um, yeah. Like I said, wasn't a fan. But this, I was like, wow, she won me over for the, with this, um, with her acting in here. My thing is like, you know, for people who are not black, you mm -hmm. know, I'm like, maybe I could understand if, if you don't know, like, um, who Andre is or Laurel is made, but Tiffany Haddish, I'm yeah. like, she's so um, popular and yeah. mainstream. And that was kind of like, off for me too, yeah. Yeah, especially yeah. for black people. I'm like, yeah. I don't know who Tiffany Haddish is. I mean, I would know, I would know all three of them if, if yeah. I saw them, quite honestly. Um, but, but just to be clear, what you're saying is this movie, the concept of it works. No, no, no. But just thank you. But just for the audience, the concept worked because the audience didn't recognize who the stars were, so they were being authentic. Right. And you think these people are too famous for that to actually be true? Or at least yeah. uh, for for Tiffany Haddish, because I think especially since the majority of the audience um they were they were black and so i thought that most most of them would have seen girls trip and you know because of the popularity of girls trip they should have recognized her from there um and she's been you know in in, in a lot of different uh movies and um other things so. but i also think but maybe it's also because like this is I don't I don't think you expect to see like a famous person in like a bar in your small town. Right. And it's a lot of like, um, especially when she goes in that bar and she's I don't know, she has this flyer about it's it's a lot of things going on. Right. Already in the surround in your surroundings. And then this woman storms in here and talking crazy. I don't think you're, you're like connecting the dots. I think if and you'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, but in the moment, I think that, yeah, you're not you're not thinking like that. And Clearly. also, and also you would think that when people are making these movies, they're doing it like in a very enclosed space. So the thing that I, that I really appreciated that, that was really done well is the ways in which they kind of dissolve the boundaries between actor and, you know, between actor and audience. Um, and I think it was the fact that even if you would, you, even, you know, granted what, um, what Brenda said in terms of having Tiffany Haddish come into your small town bar, but I don't think that it, you would make it readily make the connection that this is an act 
because mm-hmm. it's so because of the there's there's no there's no cameras there's no display there's no right. Right. there are no signs or signals that this is that this is all performative and or or a performance and so I think that the thing that that made it connect so well and so effective um, was the fact that was the mere fact that it was happening in very informal settings, you know, in very informal spaces, spaces where yeah, actors right. don't go to create right. this type of content. That's and right. because of that, I think that meeting people at home in a way that brings the that brings it to to um, that that brings the comedy that brings the the action to their doorstep is something that that we haven't experienced. And so one of the things that um, Maurice said is that it reminds me of jackass and so i would i was trying to think of you know what is the what is the black you know um a parallel like what is a black parallel of jackass that we can point to and say it reminds me of this has this ever been done before with you know with black actors leading it directing it and um do we have a black version of jackass and if so you know why would this be in within the same vein of that well, you know, it's an interesting question because I think for black people, there is real risk in going out into the, especially the white world and doing these kinds of pranks. Um, you saw in one of the clips uh, after, you know, the the clips after uh, the movie was, was over and they're doing kind of the B-roll or whatever they call that, um, Eric Andre is afraid because one guy gets really upset. He gets up from his bar stool and looks like he's going to do some damage. And so they have actual safe words. Right. Um, but I, but I think this is a, a brand of comedy or a style of comedy that white comedians probably could get away a with a little bit more readily. Um, you're calling the police on black people pretty quickly in some of these instances. Um, you've got Tiffany Haddish stealing a police car. Um, I'm ex- I-, I believe they probably had quite a bit of pre-work and pre-discussions mm-hmm. with uh, yeah. law enforcement yeah. to, to kind of pull that off. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. But um, so, yeah, but, I, you know, I don't, you know, it, it, yeah, I, I, that, that this is Eric Andre's brainchild um, doesn't surprise me. I would not think Lil Rel would have come up with this concept eric especially says, not in chicago eric says little rel quit so many times <laughs> like on the first I, I think the first day that um little rel was on scene they did the um chinese trap what is it chinese trap that's what's yeah, called the finger yeah. trap and yeah yeah chinese finger trap and they went inside that black barber shop and that man <laughs> pulled out a knife on, on, right? <laughs> and so little rel quits and he calls <laughs> tiffany haddish and tells her this man is crazy. <laughs> Yesterday I was on scene. This black man almost killed us. I quit. I'm not going. And Tiffany was like, that sounds real interesting. So she contacts Eric Andre. I was like, yo, I want to get in. And then. Oh, wow. That's, oh, that's yeah. how she. Oh. That's how she got oh. in. Yeah. And she convinced like, Lil Rel to continue to do it. Yeah, it was hilarious. The pandemic, right? That's correct. Yep. Yeah. But again, this is typical of Eric Andre's work. This is typical of his humor, of his com- comedic style. Um, and so you definitely need, especially, you know, someone, someone, uh, an actor who is not afraid to cross boundaries. And I, you know, we can discuss whether or not his biraciality allows him that those, those types of privileges in a way that, you know, that, 
that we were saying would be granted to white comedians doing the same kind of work, but you would you definitely need a little rel to that that could kind of um, that could kind of uh, not only sanitize, but could, that could kind of oh, what is the word uh, that I'm looking for? Yeah, that balance it, but it, oh, the word is. So you need someone like Little Rel who can neutralize the over, the, the over, you know, the just exaggerated personality of Eric Andre. So I don't think that this movie could have been made without, um, without Lil Rel um, playing the kind of the foil character. And so I just, again, think that this was a brilliant movie. Um, I am, would be interested in seeing this continue. I could see this being, there being a part two, part three, like this being an entire thing. And I would watch each and every one of them. I, I don't, I don't yeah, I I'm that interested in it, but I would say there was a really sweet thing that kept happening. People, regular people who didn't understand they were in a movie were reacting you know, authentically, and we're helping, and we're helping each other. Um, you saw that time and time again. Whenever someone was in trouble, there was there were just, there were there were just so many sweet moments. Um, you know, on the bus where he gets up and he does the ridiculous, uh, uh, you know, uh, you're my friend and I love you and blah blah blah. And you you saw the real character of black people in in moments of of great trauma like that or potential trauma um just being sweet and wanting to help and 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 that was an interesting thing that this movie highlighted in a way that i hadn't seen on screen um uh maybe ever um so yeah anyway any anybody else i'm sorry no i would just I'll cut you say, off Raquel, you made a really good point when you spoke about like the andre's uh being with uh, with him being biracial that it did it help him get in and move in those certain spaces and I think it did I don't think um you know if, it, if I don't think Laurel could have necessarily pulled it off by himself um uh like that I definitely think with Andre being biracial it definitely helped him um you know navigate those white spaces um, and I said it was funny because I thought about that during the movie. I was just like a darker skinned comedian couldn't couldn't have gotten away with this. Just to be clear, he's Afro Haitian. Yes, he is. And uh, Jewish, and he identifies as black and Jewish. Well, let's talk oh, about yes. that. Is is that Afro Haitian or Afro Latino? Like, what is? Um, well, you know, because you can be you can be white Haitian, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to be like African Haitian. You can be, you know from the Middle East and Haitian, so. Okay, so that's why they had the effort. So he's a black that's Haitian. Right. Yeah. Black Haitian, right. Okay. Got it. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. And okay. I would just want to add that this movie is hilarious. If you're still trying to decide whether or not to watch it, it's hilarious. I don't think that there is anyone who I recommended this movie to who hasn't laughed hysterically. It's worth so, watching. Again, it, you know, it's worth watching. Uh, uh, untanglementpod uh, at gmail.com. Watch it. Let us know what you think. Because I, yeah. I would not have watched this movie had not Run K uh, violently forced us to. So. <laughs> and we're rolling. Okay, so the next movie we're going to talk about is the <laughs> Tina Turner documentary, um, and you heard that was uh, Tina's former that was Tina. singer, it was Tina. spiritual daughter, Brenda. <laughs> um, what'd y'all think of the movie? You know, it was a documentary. I thought it was thought thought it was very insightful. After after um, reading just a snippet, um, like I think it was on the Shade Room, they like posted like a snippet of what Tina says in the movie about like she lived the 
a bad life and um, you know, she's just trying to live her best life with the, for the rest of her life. I, I wanted to see exactly what she meant. Look what I have done in this lifetime with this body. I'm a girl from a cotton field that pulled myself above what was not taught to me. The Fantastic Ike and Tina Turner review. It was Ike's band, but Tina with the shining star. When I saw her dance, she was all I could look at. He rehearsed constantly. And then the pressure came that we had to work more to try to get a hit. And I was afraid. I had an abusive life. There's no other way to tell the story. Buddhism was a way out. I started really seeing that I had to make a change. The divorce, I got nothing. No money, no house. So I said, I'll just take my name. And then we were trying to get a record deal. Nobody would touch Tina Turner. She'd play anywhere just to make the money to get by. My dream is to be the first black rock and roll singer to pack places like the Stones. When she became successful, the past came up. Her story reached so many people who felt like they had to keep their secrets locked away deep down. It's hard. One of the worst parts of your life has been an inspiration. I don't consider it a comeback. Tina had never arrived. It hurts to have to remember those times. But at a certain stage, forgiveness takes over. I think that, you know, we all know that Tina has been defined by Ike Turner. Abuse, you know, that, that's Tina. That's what we know Tina Turner to be. Like, you don't, you know, you can't say Tina's name without saying Ike or saying abuse or whatever. Um, so it was... It was good to see um, like her her journey to where she how she got it, how she got started in the business, you know, her relationship with Ike. I mean, like that man used to beat her butt. And I don't even think she, we even talked about we can even talk about the half of it. The documentary documentary, I th it doesn't go as deep as I, I believe her book. Tamar was telling me that her book has, you know, way more detail. Um, but she talks about one incident in which, um, she was pregnant and I, I don't know why, but he beat her ass and then he had sex with her. He beat her ass with a shoe expander and then had sex with her. And I was like, baby, you would have heard, you have just reached a, you have just <laughs> received a call from Anna Mae Bullock, inmate at Los <laughs> Angeles Correctional. Cause baby, I would have strung him up. You hear me? <laughs> Ike was a bad man, though. Now you you go. He he wasn't just. He was a bad okay. man. Okay, 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 okay. But it's just. But also, she <laughs> talks about how you know just growing up and being abandoned by her parents. And there's a oh my god, there's a a uh, a scene in which her mother does this interview. And typically, you know, when like when mothers talk about or parents talk about their children, that's like a sparkle in their eye. Her mom had none of that. It was just like, it's like, I was like, 
do you even know your daughter? Like, and she does not, she did not know her daughter. She's since passed away, but it was just so bizarre. And it was sad that she had gone through so much, you know, like so much pain. And when she divorced him, all she got was her name. And, you know, that was freedom for her. Um, you know, she said, I don't care about the house. I don't care about nothing, no money. Just give me my name. Um, so it's just sad to know that, um, like she will always be known, you know, or associated with Ike in that very dark, um, you know, part of her life. And um, I'm just wishing her the best. You know, I want her to live her good life. Sis is in Switzerland right now. So, you know, I want her to live, you know, the rest of her life, live it best because she deserves it. It's, it was so unfortunate, but hey, you know, what can yeah, we say? I, yeah, I agree. And, you know, one of the things that was really um, sad as well is that she, is that, the connection that people would make between her and Ike and how she said every time she said the interview, they'll bring it up and she'll have to relive that trauma. And I was just like, oh my God. I, and when they kept, when they played the snippets of her interviews and them asking her, asking, over, yeah. and I, and I, and I felt that I felt, um, you know, the, the hurt and the trauma that she had to relive and how she tried to navigate it. And that's why she made the movie, she said. She said that she made the movie and she wrote the book so that people would not ask her again about right. it, you know? And people still continue to ask her about it. Of you know, course. so it's sad that, um, you know, I don't know. I, I do hope that in her last days, she can, um, she could disconnect. She can just focus on, um, herself, yeah. her family, her, her current husband, yeah. and just love on them and receive the love that they give to her and just not, you know, worry or, yeah. or you know, stress about like what, what people in the media are saying and thinking, you know, I know her as a phenomenal, strong woman, a survivor, a, a brilliant and phenomenal musician. And, you know, and I, yeah, I absolutely love her. I, I was listening to her music um, today. Yeah. So yeah, it's that that's really sad that somebody as low as Ike Turner <laughs> had that power over her to to even make her develop that uh, PTSD. And I, I just wish y'all all the best. And you know, that. it was also very another memorable scene is when her son Craig, he has since passed away as well, mm -hmm. but I believe like in, in the 90s he had this, he did this interview and he recalls. Yes. Um, an incident which I beat his mom was beating his, beating on his mom and he was like he was so emotional a grown man was just emotional mm -hmm. about like what he had witnessed and mm -hmm. I was I was I was thinking about just even when we think about like during that time um like domestic violence like you can beat your wife like that wasn't like you know uh, nobody cared you know like it Wonder wasn't law. like this advocacy and laws behind it so mm -hmm you know, like you suffered in silence and it's crazy that Tina, you know, a woman who was known, you know, like just dealt with it, you know, um, but. Joanne, really. People enabled uh, Ike as well. They enabled, you know, they, yeah. they saw it and they allowed it. That's to, right. That's right. Even her mother and her sister. Again, domestic violence, right? It was less like, you know, it was just that they accepted it. it. It was what it was, yeah. you know? Joy and Reed of, of, of uh, MSNBC tweeted out, um, this Tina HBO doc is chilling me to my core. The suffering Tina Turner endured at Ike Turner's hands. I knew this story, but wow, 
the detail and hearing her tell it in her own words is quite an experience. And I just wonder if, because many of us know the story, quote unquote, because of the movie. Right. And to be honest, for a lot of people, it was kind of a punchline. You know, get, right. anime, get in the car, get in the car, anime. That's you right. hear people saying that. That's right. No, it's um, right. And even a Jay-Z song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And um, I don't know, um, you know, she she is Hall of Fame, you know, uh, music act. Um, uh, but to see her, a lot of people are saying this feels more like a farewell, this documentary. Oh, it is. Oh, um, definitely is. Definitely is. And, yeah. and uh, you, you, she deserves more, right? She, this is, she should be getting her flowers. She should be getting all the. Uh, Lifetime Achievement Awards, and maybe she has gotten all that stuff already. But um, her last public appearance was um, was a Broadway show, um, and I think that was like in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was like, you know, this is like I'm saying goodbye to my fans. Yep. And yeah, you know, Bloomberg's Jordan Holman said that uh, Tina Turner's life left me in genuine disbelief. A black girl who picked cotton and rose to become a global rock and roll star, feeling grateful that she gave us this farewell documentary. Um, So, yeah. I think they should do, oh, I was just going to say, and I'll shut up after this, Raquel. I was Mm -hmm. just going to say, I I hope that even if she won't attend, um, that they do some type of tribute for her now. Like, I know Mm -hmm. we've had thousands of tributes for her and whatever they they really I really would love like the Grammy or NAACP or BET or somebody to do a tribute for her like now. I just wanted. Can you all hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Okay. Um. So I was just going to say that this this wasn't the story that I wanted to hear. Um. I think that one of the things that was very shocking and compelling and also difficult to watch was the fact that you know she even recognizes that her life is really and truly defined by one moment and that is the moment of abuse she said near the end of the documentary that she said uh, she said that i lived a life of abuse that's it that's my life um and i just have to accept it and in my mind as i was watching it i was like no you haven't that is a moment that is a moment in your in your life. And Absolutely. so when I when I watched this, I I and and she was she also, you know, especially towards the end, she felt very very not only frustrated, but it she even reported that it it even sent her into depression when she had to think about the fact that her story is so aligned is is um is uh you know, irrevocable, or that's not the word I want to use, but it's, it's indistinguishable. That's not the word I want to use. I don't know what the, what the word is right now, but her life is just so tied to Ike in a way that she, that even in this, she wasn't able to tell her story because she didn't, there were aspects of her story that I didn't hear. I wanted to know, um, you know, things, you know, why did she decide that rock was her, rock was her avenue? Why was that the path? And it, and I wish that the documentary would have started in part three, four, 
um, where she, after the abuse, because again, she's, you know, she's really heartbroken, you know, um, the worst days of your life being, being repeated, repeated. And that's what we saw in part three and four. We just saw the agony that that did to, to reproduce the very scenes of violence for over, you know, 20 plus years. So she, so, so I, I think that for us, we have a certain type of pathology where we want to see her in that victimized way, where we want her story to be that. And so we are, and so I felt that we were condemning her to this, to this moment that was so traumatic in her life and not allowing her to live beyond it. Even in that comeback story, the comeback is not just about her musical journey, but her journey to find an identity and to etch out a space for herself that isn't defined by a man who beat her ass for 16 years. And I think that, and I think that, you know, one of the other things that I saw or that I noticed was that uh, she even, you know, that she is significantly marked by the moment of confession, that people interview that she did, where she had to be honest about what was going on in her relationship um, and her marriage. And she said that she put it out there so it could be forgotten, so she could move past. And I wonder, and I worried, and I was just like, we haven't, we still haven't heard her story because she hasn't been able to move past this moment. And we, her fans, quote unquote, really unquote, are still requiring her to be that person um, and, to, and to live that life of abuse. And, um, and another quote that, that kind of came to mind that really touched me, there were so many gems um, from her from, um, that she spoke. And she said that I lived a shameful life and I found a way to, well, hold on, let me see. Okay, this, the quote is, um, I lived a shameful life and I found a way to just live by just being ashamed. You know, like that was her life. I lived a shameful wow. life and I found a way um, to just live by just being ashamed, meaning that she became her shame. That is how she lived. And that's how, and we've been kind of, in, and I saw that we continue to imprison her in that shame throughout her life, throughout her musical career. And so yep. I just, I just, I just felt the tragedy um, that we were doing by continuing at, to to require her to reproduce in in extreme detail, in more and more detail as the years continue to go by, to go on, reproduce that very scene of trauma. Because uh, we see a very important feature of her celebrity and of her work to be the fact of her victim mm -hmm. status. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and that's real. That's real. I mean, the, the first thing that comes out of your, that, that you think of for a lot of people that you think of is Tina Turner's great music, but definitely the second thing you think of is that she was a victim of domestic violence for very, mm -hmm. for many years. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I also, I also think that, um, so after Tina divorces Ike, um, Ike takes everything. She's doing like these little shows here and there. Um, in a sense, almost kind of forgotten about. And um, once she gets management, right, and she does the people interview, and then she decides to do a um, autobiography, and then she does the, the, she decides to do the film. I think that 
she becomes like her second wave of fame is after she like discloses all this abuse details, you know? So uh, a big part of her, her second wave, uh, first and second wave success was, was, was Ike, you know? And I, I don't know if it was, I think, yeah, people are very tied to like this whole idea of abuse and, you know, wanting to know the details. And I, and, and, and her record label, the label definitely, they knew that, right? And they were like, okay, Tina, if we're going to sell records, we got, they got to get all the business, all the tea. And yeah, in a sense, yeah, they re-victimized her, you know, to, to sell those records. And it worked, you know, unfortunately, fortunately, whatever, however you want to see it, it worked for her. So yeah, her first wave, second wave, all tied to Ike, both tied to Ike. And I... I- and I just feel so horrible for her that, like Ron K, you put that so beautifully. But I just feel so horrible for her that she feels shamed, and that's how she, you know, kind of views and, and lived her life. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was like, I pray in these last um, days that she have that she she really finds happiness and joy and and peace because for her to be just such just iconic woman you know um in, uh, this iconic woman over like you know over uh what he 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 did you, you know um I just uh, it's just so hurtful that she still that she still has to carry that and people just keep grudging that up mm-hmm. for her so yeah and another question that I that I had um and I wondered is what would it mean to tell her story without Ike um, and is there a story for her without Ike and without the history of violence and abuse? So what would it mean for us to kind of, for her to tell a, a you know, a, a story where she, not, not that it's, not that it's forgotten or that it's, it's forgiven in her book, but that she tells her story of how she did it, you know, how she did it. And I think it's still tied to abuse though, right? Because remember like her mom the abandoned her her mom and her dad had were always getting at it you know they were violent towards each other she grew up she saw it her mom abandons her um even like in in tina's older age she's trying she's like buying for her mom's attention and her mom isn't really giving to her um i think that her story is connected to abuse And, and so i would be interested to know does she is that what she transfers through her voice because I am so transfixed by her her sound, like that gritty sound. And I'm and and even just her energy on stage. And I want to know where does she go when she sings? Knowing that, how do you produce? How do you channel it? How do you do that thing that you do? And I was thinking about it and I said Being that under the, the whip of Ike Turner. <laughs> no, but even after, you know, and, and she did say no, that. No, but remember, she, she was with Ike for 16 years. Yes, she right? did say that. And she asked, you know, um, you know, she even said casually, maybe it was a good thing that I met Ike. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. She, one of the things that she realizes and recognizes, and she said, is that that was training. Oh, yeah. Um, and she said that that was the best training for her to be who she's going to be and to achieve the type of success um, that she that she achieves. Um, and so and so, you know, again, yes. And and that does, ins- you know, a lot of heartbreak, a lot of abuse does inspire 
you know, creative products, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of the genius things and the artifacts that we look at as genius are inspired by tragedy. I have to say by violence. Um, and, but Ralph, Ralph Ellison, I mean, she, to me, I mean, she comes out, she comes very squarely out of the, the you know, African-American music experience, the blues tradition. Yeah. Um, and this quote from Ralph Ellison in his uh, Living With Music Jazz Writings, the blues, and, and I think this this just captures what I think you might be getting at with Tina. He writes, the blues is an impulse to keep the painful details and episodes of a brutal experience alive in one's aching consciousness, to finger its jagged grain and to transcend it not by the consolation of philosophy, but by squeezing from it a near tragic, near comic lyricism. As a form, the blues is an autobiographical chronicle of personal catastrophe expressed lyrically. Mm-hmm. So I always, for me, the blues is always, uh, you know, for me, it's our, it's, it's perhaps uh, our culture's greatest sort of invention. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is this like he says uh, personal catastrophe expressed lyrically nobody does it better than than, than Tina Turner mm-hmm. but then but, she turns to rock well she said well go ahead you know and go ahead well go ahead. I know she said that it's rock blues mm-hmm. she, she named like a couple of genres mm-hmm. that you know that she kind of embodies so yeah country but, country and but also remember Ike Turner he had the first um, rock album, right? So, um, yeah, it, it, and that was also my, that was like, what? <laughs> you know, like- I mean, remember, whatever we talk, whatever, what we, what we call rock is just, you know, the Beatles right. trying to sound like, you know, Mississippi blues men and, right. and the Rolling That's Stones. Right. So, so I, I don't even know what rock is, but, right. uh, but, but she's a blues icon. She is- expressing very, very deep, serious. This mm-hmm. is not Taylor Swift's uh, uh, silliness. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. This is real. Oh, it's real, baby. And uh, and you hear the pain and you hear, um, you hear everything. And so, I, you know, that, that's what I would say. But I, yeah. you know, right, and right. I And I just wanted to hear more about where the songs came from. Where does, where did the music, I mean, we know, but where did the lyrics come? Like, well, they're more not so you know, of that of process. Times, she didn't write a lot of her yeah. songs. Yeah, she didn't write a lot of her songs. So that's another, you know, that's another thing. So, and yeah. um, Brenda, you're going to find this interesting in terms of the next comparison I make. But I was trying to think of, you know, just her sound and the uniqueness of her sound and who to compare it to, mm-hmm. um, and who she sounds like or who would be comparable. And the person that I came up with is Fantasia. Okay. I can, I can, I can hear. Like that gritty gritty. kind of. I can hear the gritty. Yeah. That's produced by so much, you know, and, you know, and I think that Fantasia is an act like one hands down best, Mm -hmm. best, (laughs) transcendent best. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, that she just needs to find her genre. You know, I just think that she just needs to find her genre. So um, who does, you know, so. I won't ask that question, but who I did you, well, I told, I said, um, Beyonce is a little Tina. Um, it's Beyonce. It's Beyonce. Of, yeah. It's Beyonce. Yeah. In terms of like performance, like the dance, like Tina could cut a rug. Okay. Like I was just like, God damn girl, you know how to. And dance. everybody loves her. Yeah. 
so she she can dance she can sing like i i think i see more beyonce i understand like vocally i can i can hear like the fantasia but i think like she yeah, she was like a Beyonce. It's Beyonce. That, I mean, that is the analog. Beyonce is her her artistic child. Um, yeah. From the 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 kind of um, bluesy R and B sensibility, mm-hmm. but the easy walk into sort of a, a rock pop sensibility. Yeah, that's right. Know. Um, and 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 the kind of strength, right? Uh, um, I don't, I don't know how to say this exactly, but um, Beyonce at once oozes feminine, femininity, but mm-hmm. also a kind of, in some way, that, that when she did that militaristic um, um, uh, program where she brought out the, 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 uh, the marching bands, and yeah. there is an anger in, yeah. in Beyonce's, an unapologetic anger in Beyonce's uh, performances okay. Okay. that I think... Um, I don't know. When you listen to Tina Turner's Proud Mary, I mean, you know, this is aggressive stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is the, these are women who are saying well, we got to be strong because, you know, people are out to get us a bit. So um, I don't know. Yeah, I would definitely watch it. it w- it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah. OK, you'd watch it again or you'd, you you'd recommend that people watch it. No, because I still am left wondering what did did I learn anything new? And because my answer is no, aren't you just? Isn't it that you're upset about what's happened to her? No, I'm not upset at what has happened to her. It's unfortunate, but I'm not upset. I guess what I'm what I'm asking is, is the trauma that she experienced clouding your ability to enjoy this movie or enjoy this documentary no because no because we've heard it for 20 plus years we've heard it and i and i'm and i'm trying to to listen to her not just hear the story that we that we want to hear but listen to her about her story and and she's very clear that her life was defined by this man, by this moment, and how she has tried, how she has tried effortlessly and tirelessly to extricate for herself um, mentally, spiritually, emotionally from that um, from that context, you know. And I don't think that she has. And because of that, I don't think that she has told her story or or in a way that is authentic to her. And for that reason, it's not, it's not me responding to the, the tragedy of her life. It's me trying to, to hear her voice and, and to elevate what she's saying through what we want and, and have asked her to say, to, to, to give voice to throughout the years. So. All right. On that high note, let's move into block B. Let's move into block B. Brenda, Brenda, what do you have for us in block B? Wait, we have to do our theme song. Blocka, 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 block B. You don't, you don't have to do it. As you know, listener, no doubt, DMX. 
suffered a health event that has him currently fighting for his life in a hospital. Um, There's been a lot of rumors and and so on, but it does seem like um, the uh, prognosis, the prognosis isn't very good. Right. And they said that it was, he OD'd had a heart attack. Right. And yeah, is in and was without oxygen for near some 30 minutes. And that right right now his lung and brain functioning is minimal. minimal. So um, that, you know, that doesn't sound good. And uh, this morning when I checked, uh, it was said that his children were being flown in um, to, to see him, which, um, you know, yeah, pay their, they say their last goodbye. Yeah, 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 before they have to make a decision about what to do. <sighs> but um, those things then, make me so sad. Like I am heartbroken. One of the you things know, like, we learned, though, right, was that this addiction mm, happened because mm-hmm. his mentor slipped mm-hmm. him something. That's right. That's right. But I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, no, no. Go, 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 go. That, go. but that, that I didn't know that about him. I didn't know that. Um, either. And so, just you know, it, it is interesting and a little bit sad that we really start to focus in on people and really understand their layers and so on yeah. during these kinds of times of crisis. And I've listened to more interviews uh, about or, or featuring DMX now mm-hmm. than I than I ever had. And I love his music. I love his music. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I had no idea he was. I knew he was spiritual. I knew he would talk a lot about the Bible and so on. Uh, but I, I, I mean, this man was deep. Yeah, he was. You know, uh, Talib Kweli tells yeah. this story about, um, um, you know, it, it's famous for DMX to be late. Uh, you know, he's he's mm-hmm. famously not a punctual person. Mm-hmm. But T- Talib Kweli tells a story where they're going back and forth with his management team. Uh, uh, DMX said, "I was gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring you guys some food. I'm gonna cook for you, so on and so forth." And uh, Talib Kweli is going back and forth with the management team. Where is he? We want him here. And they're like, "Well, we think he's probably looking for some food." And uh, and they're like, "We, it's not about the food. We just want him. We just want him." And so he shows up, even you know, crazy late. And he has the food. He makes them uh, some kind of, I don't know if it's lobster or something right. like that. And Talib Kweli says, what I didn't realize, but what he mm. taught me when he got there was, it was about the food. Mm. He needed to cook for us. Mm. He needed to break bread with us. Mm. That that was, he needed to do that with us. Mm. And that was a meaningful part of the interaction he wanted to have with us. And that deepened what it is mm. that we were going to do. And, uh, and you just, you listen to him and, you know, yeah. he, he puts away the kind of rap bravado and so on that you're used to. And you, you hear the humility mm. and you hear the depth. Um, and, and, uh, you know, wow. Oh, addict, addiction, addiction. It's like, oh, I, I don't, I don't know if anybody here has, you know, had family members or friends who've been addicted to substances, but it's, it's hard, you know, it's hard on family members. Of course, it's hard on that person. And you, you know, you have to wrap your mind around like it's a disease. It's a disease, you know. And as much as you just kind of want to be done with that person, like, you know, you have to continuously remind yourself it's a disease, you know, and um it's it's just it's it's just uh, it's just hard. It's hard to be in those situations where you have to deal with someone who is battling that disease. Um, and I just wish I just hope the I just wish you know I've been praying for him and hope that he pulls through. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's just sad. I'm very sad. I'm very sad yeah. about this. 
Yeah, it's just that he's such a legend. Like, yeah. And no, I don't care what he's done. You know, I don't care what mistakes he's made. I've always loved DMX. Now, yeah. You know, and I think, and I don't, although I don't know him as a person, I think as a person, I think he was just a good person, even though, you know, he, he may have made flawed decisions. And it's just so sad uh, um, to see this happening to him and the, and the, and just the impact addiction can have on you, how long-term it could be. Um, because, you know, it is a sickness and, and, you know, I don't think people really realize that too much, um, uh, anymore. It really is a sickness. And so the same here, Brenda, I'm just praying for him and his family. All so right. we will continue to pray for him. Um, the, the next topic, um, do we want to talk about the versus battle? Your uncles. Mm-hmm. Your I also uncle. want to talk about Lisa Ray with her little comment. I'm like, girl, sit your. Go ahead. <laughs> well, let's start there. What did she so say? Was, I don't, I, so what did it Lisa was some guy say? on the radio. I think it was a white guy, right? Tomorrow, was this a white guy who? Um, I believe so. Yeah, made a comment that he 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 won't date Serena Williams. That's too dark for him. But he would date. I forget who who the who the lighter skinned woman was. And Lisa Ray was like, oh, he has preferences. So what's wrong with having a preference? What's wrong with and people were like, um, sweetie, that's not, that's not a preference. I don't think you understand what a preference is, okay? Um, but she's always made like these crazy offhand comments. She's a colorist. You know, there's like, there, there's, I guess that there's not much to say about Lisa Ray because Lisa Ray has been, you know, known to say some crazy stuff, but. Um, I don't even know why she's on. Let me shut up because let me let that woman get her coins. But why is she even on like the talk? Like she provides like no real insight. Like, girl, go sit down. Go sit down. And, you know, Lisa Ray, I, I, I saw her thing on. Um, Ayanla. Uh, Ayanla. Uh-huh. I, and I, I, I struggle with her name. I hate that I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, um, it trickles down. She like she's always had a horrible attitude, mm. and um, and it stems from her the relationship she's had with her mother, and you know she was her father's um, pride and joy, right? Like her, she was. I think she yeah, she was a daddy's girl. She was a favorite, and you know mainly I think because she was just you know light skinned and beautiful, and, <laughs> right? And, yeah, just you know just I mean. And, and no shade to my light-skinned sisters. I ain't, you know, that's not where I'm going with it. But, you know, she just realized that she lived, she had a very privileged life. And, um, and she, you know, that played out in her adulthood or whatever. Because she's not a great actress. I don't, I don't know why. You know You're right. It was that, it was that light skin. talented. One, one, yeah. co- one commenter said the reason Lisa had a career is due to her fair skin. Yeah. She yeah. cannot act. <laughs> Uh, you know, so she would agree with that comment because she needed that in order okay. to to be able to live the life she's lived. So yeah, uh, but yeah, so I, I don't. Not, you know. you, no, no, I'm sorry, Maurice. What did you say? No, that yeah. that that's it. I mean, I you know, I said that's all. What's that? <laughs> that's all I got. That's all I got. Yeah, I don't know. I do just, do we have any more to excavate I, I, about this I was topic? Just gonna say. I was just going to say, I, you know, um, j- just like it's hard for white people to admit to racism, I feel mm-hmm. like that's the same way 
with some people to admit that there is colorism and and you know in in our community and this it's also in other communities and, and communities right. of colors as well and you know we can't heal unless we admit that there is a problem and how um you know how certain people benefit from colorism right i mean and, and there's two sides to it right like you know on one hand you got you know brown and darker skinned sisters not being very looked at as very attractive and then you got lighter skinned um, people who are, you know, sometimes pushed to the side um, or have to prove that, you know, they're black enough or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's just a yeah, that's really, right. you know, and it's just an awful, hateful um, uh, construct that white races has, has done to us since the beginning of time. This is such a slavery mindset um, that we have carried on through generations and years after years. And I just wish that we would have, you know, and, and I know people have tried to have conversations about it, but I really wish that people like, look, it is a thing, you know. And it's you, not a preference. Know, <laughs> it, is, it is not a preference. It is it is a thing, it is called colorism. When you, you know, when you do that, and if, yeah, I, it, it is. And it's, and it's messed up that people who are privileged to that don't want to admit that that's just like white people not want to admit that racism is real or racism has the impact that it does um so yeah well i doubt that uh total enlightenment on this issue is going to start with lisa ray (laughs) i I totally agree i totally agree (laughs) but um so um you know, just briefly, uh, the versus battle, Earth, Wind and Fire versus the Isley Brothers. I didn't watch a ton of it. But the, the, what I do want to ask is when you heard that Steve Harvey was going to be the moderator, what was your feeling about that? I don't know. <laughs> Did you? I mean, I people had strong that. feelings. They had strong feelings about about Steve Harvey was- doing that. And I go ahead I thought it was going to be the Steve Harvey show and I logged in to the watch the first maybe 10 minutes Steve Harvey was going on for 10 minutes mm-hmm. and um and then I logged off and I said I'm just not going to watch this because this is not what I came for yeah I don't remember any other verses having hosts like and then my sister said well you know it's about more so personality and maybe they they're fearing that um, as we've seen in other verses, that there wouldn't be much engagement, things would fall flat. We've seen those performances where we had all of this, you know, anticipation about these two these two people coming together, and it was boring. Yeah. So maybe they they anticipated that that would happen, so they invited a personality to come, and we know that Steve Harvey. Um, is a lot of personality personality (laughs) all personality um, says irreverent unsolicited things that are irrelevant (laughs) (laughs) and um, so yeah no no thank you I didn't even know that he was hosting I didn't know that it was on yesterday yesterday Sunday? Yeah. yeah, I didn't know who he was hosting. Okay, I'm going to cut that because I think our listeners need us to be aware. No, and I love, I, I love the Isley Brothers, and I love Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, but I'm going to say, so, I'm going to say something that's a little sacrilegious. I think the whispers are not being given their due. I felt like they could have. Uh, they they listen. They don't have as much of a catalog as these two. Okay. <laughs> But in terms of, have you seen uh, 
the the video where they're just walking down the street. It looks like they're in L.A. apparently because I looked it up, but it looks like they're in Cleveland just walking down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, is it? I think it's keep on loving me or something, but I don't know. But it's just like five of your uncles just <laughs> just walking and singing. I was like, that, you got to be bad to be able to do that. First of all, OK, you, you, you're in trouble. You're, you're fine. Um, anyway, we you can just know when Maurice, when this is Maurice's genre, right? He has so much to say about this versus just like he had so much to say about the blue spirit um, mm-hmm. and Tina. You just know when it's calling Maurice's name. I'm old. I don't know. I don't know. Was nobody surprised? Ancient. No. Ancient. <laughs> Thank you. Nobody's surprised. What? Uh, um, what um, what did people say about um Ron Isley? <laughs> Zaddy, <laughs> Zaddy. Zaddy. <laughs> Look, they, they, you know, I'm not a mean coat kind of guy, but if I was, that would be the coat that I. I mean, he, he looked sharp. He looked sharp. I definitely no. kept asking. I was like, "Is that him? Because he he looked better uh, oh now God. than he ever has in in, in the, uh, previous years. He looks good." But I would say that, you know, um, Ron Isley had me at your contagious. I mean, I was hooked then. Yes. So someone emailed us to ask, how would we respond to this? And it reads as follows. Today, I found my husband. I found out that my husband of nine years has a one year old son. I'm beyond devastated. I don't know what to do. I hate to feel like this, but I cannot see myself accepting this child or loving it. It's such a betrayal. The worst part is that I found out as we were doing a loan application to purchase our first home together. On the credit report, it said back child support. Obviously, I thought it was a mistake, but he told me the painful truth. He indeed had a child he found out about in June. So here we are eight months later, and I found out from a complete stranger. I know the child is innocent, and he asked if I could move past this. Would I support him in getting visitation or some custody? Our youngest is 10 years old, and I have no desire to be a mom or a stepmom to anyone. Please advise. Um, so I, you know, my two cents, girl, I think you already know what, what to do. Um, I think it's, it's very, very difficult, especially when you have kids involved and I'm not in that situation. So I'm just speaking for me, but I would say, you know, for me, in my opinion, it's one thing to cheat, right? Um, that might be something that I could get past, even though it's very hurtful. I think it's another thing to cheat and have a baby and, you know, you're having unprotected sex could be bringing any type of disease back to me. You didn't think about the impact that it would have on our family. Um, and you hid it from me. You didn't plan to tell me. You hid that from me and I found out when we were trying to get a loan. Um, so I, girl, I don't know if this person is listening, sweetie. There are so many other good men out here. Um, and honey, I just think that you should just leave you know, as painful as it might be, work out a plan so that you too can co-parent um, and you you leave your husband. I would suggest leaving and just trying to find 
um, something better or just trying to move on with your life. I don't think she deserves that. Anybody else free to chime in? I, I tend to disagree. I, I think that that is a bit extreme. Um, I would want to hear more, more of the context. Um, I think that, you know, we're, 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 we're prejudging the guy or the scenario without knowing what happened without, um, without knowing the context of their relationship. Um, you know, he might have had good reasons to hide it. You know, he might have been ashamed, didn't want to, um, mess up the things that they had going on. And so he just hadn't figured out a way to tell her, um, eventually I'm sure that he would, but I, I would have, I don't think that these are, these are grounds to, um, these are grounds by which you should just dissolve the relationship um, wholesale. I think you, you know, communicate, you just need to have a series of conversations and determine whether or not this is something you can handle and get to the source of the um, infidelity, get to the source of the covering up of the, you know, the concealment of this situation. And I think that 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 is where I would go. I'm like, like, like I said, I'm not married and I'm pretty sure there are plenty of people who's taking their husbands back. But here's what I think. He wouldn't take her back if she did that to him. How you know that? Most likely he wouldn't. He would not take her back. How you know that? In most cases, most yeah. men do not take their wives back, especially if this she is had, true. had a baby. Child. Yeah. If she, if she hid a child from him so in the basement, she should be so open to that. Where's that one-year-old? How did she hide him? No, so no. What if she was pregnant, right? She got pregnant by another guy. She has a baby and then it's for another guy. And he finds out that it's not her, it's not his, right? Yeah. So we're going to, we can do like that, that scenario. Yeah. Maurice? He's not going to stay with her. I don't have to answer y'all questions. Okay. <laughs> I'm not on the stand. I have not been read my rights or been sworn in. And I get it. It's just like, that's a big thing to break, break up a family and a marriage. I totally get it. Yeah. I think yeah. I, I think for me, it's like, one, he wouldn't forgive her if the shoe was on the other foot. And I think, two, you know, you have to draw a line somewhere. Shit. Like, he hit it. He was <laughs> to tell you. And then the third thing, I think, and somebody said, uh, you know, um, I, I heard somebody say this some time ago. Sometimes we, we, we as women, we could be too forgiving of a lot of things um, that's not good for us. And I totally... Win. I think that... Oh, uh, so, so I think that... So I think, so I think that we're reacting to a lot of the... Uh, of the late... There are many layers to this situation, right? And I think that... We're we're gauging this as if the shoe was already you're breaking up now. Foot. And that say that is, again. And so I want to be. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. We are engaging it as if the shoe. We're 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 taking a hypothetical stance to a to a, a non hypothetical issue. Right. And based on what we already know. Um, she seems to me to be much more troubled by the fact of this child than she is That's about right. the cheating in the line. That's right. That's so right. if I presuppose that she might be able to get past the cheating in the line, maybe through counseling, uh, you know, I certainly would advise that and so on. Um, the question then becomes, how does she deal with this innocent child? And I guess the baby mama 
on the other side. And I think that will take some real work. I, I don't think this is an automatic I'm leaving. If you can get past the cheating and the lying, I believe you, the other part should be easy. You got a cute little baby that you can uh, uh, learn to love. And that, I, you know, for most folks, that probably wouldn't be too, too difficult, although it would take some work, I admit. Um, I think it's worth at least going to a, a qualified counselor and right. uh, seeing whether or not uh, it's possible. Yeah, I agree. I think that first step, counseling. First of all, first of all, mm-hmm. what's his heart? Is he contrite? That that's that's the first thing. You know what I'm saying? Check the heart. Check his heart. That's the first thing. If he is like, well, you know what I'm saying? This is what it is. And you know what I'm saying? Either you accept or you don't, then that's something different. But if you have a man who has a contrite heart, who knows that, you know, like what he did has deeply hurt his wife and he's willing to take actionable steps, right? To rectify the situation, then that's a different story. So I say the first step is to seek counseling. If both parties are open, open to that, that's the first step to seek counseling. Um, I think I have a heart. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Interrupting. I, I was just going to say, I and I get that. I mean, it's not, like I said, it's not like I don't know people personally who's in this. Yeah, system. of course. It's just that. Some of us got daddies who got, who right. got, who got. Correct. Correct. Oh, and you know, okay now. Now, why is the mama still stay with them? It's just, it's just the fact mm-hmm. that you didn't plan to tell her. You you yeah. you, you you made her find find out in a damn bank, mm-hmm. and you and you, you know this baby was a, is a year and a half years old, and you didn't plan to tell her. And and, and I agree, we're making a, a lot of hypotheticals. But Maurice, would you stay with your wife if she had another baby? Um, or <laughs> like if that's a legit question, would you stay with her if she stepped down the marriage, had another man's baby? Okay, are you talking about going to counseling with her and trying to work it out and trying to raise this uh, raise this baby with this other man? Is that what you would do that for her? Good question. It's not a good question, but I'll answer it. I hope. I hope. And I have thought. I have thought about this in the context of cheating, and I agree that having a baby is a that's a that's another layer. But Mm -hmm. in the context of cheating, I know that I know I absolutely would go to counseling Mm -hmm. to try and save my relationship in my marriage because you've done that in the past see first of all (laughs) no no not not no not an infidelity situation but (laughs) i know that counseling works i'll say that and um and the baby layer add the baby layer yeah Yeah. if you add add if you add the baby layer you're talking about listen it matters that there's a biological difference here you're talking about a woman who got pregnant by another man in the context of your relationship, decided to keep the baby and is going to raise it in your, uh, it does hit us okay. It does hit us different. Yeah, it's different. Woman. Well, that's it's just cheating. It's the same that's level just, of deception. It's the same level of deception same, for both of those. Yeah, it's the same level. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. All right. But it does hit and different. See, I'll give you that where, point. It does hit different. Yeah. What did you say tomorrow? Right? And that's why I get that's why I get conflicted with the with the whole notion of her uh, forgiving. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, maybe she will. And I ain't judging nobody. Like I said, we we know people like this. Um, I, I, it's one thing to cheat, right? It's even one thing to lie. I think with counseling, I could get past that. I I I would have a very difficult time getting past the fact that you had a baby on me. You wasn't using unprotected sex. <laughs> Um, and you wasn't thinking about any of this while you were stepping out on me and you kept it from me. You didn't yeah. plan to tell me. 
So I, I, I would have a huge issue with all of that. I, I don't know. For me, that would be almost very nearly impossible to, to move past. Okay. I, I don't know. But as a cast, um, as the, the entanglement, the vote is three to one. We want you to go get counseling. We want you to see if you can um, uh, talk to a qualified professional and see, you know, see yeah. what the recommendation is, you know, because, you know, at the end of the day, your son has a brother. That's right. Or sister. And, yeah. or sister. and um, you know, this is your life now. And, yeah. you know, still hashtag black men don't cheat. Uh, <laughs> that's not funny. That wasn't. No, no, I didn't say that for a laugh. Oh, so oh, if okay. we could just uh, calm down on the laugh. Um, but if anybody, anybody, ha- anybody, <laughs> thank you, tomorrow. Anybody have any closing thoughts? Oh, Please. just remember to send us your questions at the entanglement pod. <laughs> Except not the the, not the entanglement pod at gmail.com. Yep, 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 yep. And follow Um, us on Instagram at entanglement pod. Brenda, can you say that again so it's clean for the, uh, for the, so send us your questions at entanglement pod at gmail.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram at entanglement pod and Twitter and Twitter and uh, my and, space and, follow and black planet. No, you don't have to follow oh, me no, personally. No, no. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. And uh, you can follow Tamara um, mm-hmm. at, on Friday night. She goes to the club and she shakes <laughs> no. her groove thing. Okay. This has been the Entanglement Pod. Thank you for listening. I'm Maurice. I'm Brenda. And I'm Roquette. <laughs> have a great day. This is T Mama, the producer. Have a good night, everybody. Uh, do that again. No, you can't do it okay, anymore. Go ahead and do it again, okay. We've been at this no, for two hours. All right, Maurice, go. Oh, okay. Oh, well, however you can cut it. Thank you for uh, listening. This has been the Untangled. Oh, for- Jesus oh, Christ, help me. Come on, come on. This has been the Untangled Pod. This is Maurice. This is Brenda. And I'm Roca. This is T-Mama. Okay, and I'm- okay, okay. Thank you for. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. T-Mama. Okay, yeah. got it. Okay. Go ahead, um, Maurice, last time. This has been the Untangled Pod. Thanks for listening. I'm Maurice. I'm Brenda. This is Roca. And this is T-Mama. The-